Okay, let's start our discussion of Parshas Vayeshev, Tav Shin Ayin Hey. As we are here, the Shabbos before Shabbos Chanukah, uh, we will spend most of our time, as we always do on the Parsha, we'll touch on Chanukah, hopefully uh, the last one or two uh, thoughts. And Hashem, next week the she will be earlier, because uh, Hanukkah later in the week, Monday night, Bez Hashem. That's the tentative plan. Monday night will be the Shir uh, next next week. Okay, so we start off with a drush, and that is based on a Pasuk later in the Parsha, and that is Paraglamites, all the way as we are deep into Yosef and his brothers this week. Paraglamites, Pasuk Vez, the Torah tells us after Yosef goes down to Mitzrayim, Vayihi Hashem es Yosef, Hashem is with Yosef, Vayihi Ishmatzliach, he is successful. Vayihi Bebeis Adunav HaMitzri, and he is in the house of his master, the Mitzri Potiphar. Alderach Drush, if you look in the Dasakanim, usually we don't find Drush in the Dasakanim, one of the Baliatosos, but here we have a Drush. He says, if you look at the Pasach, Hashem is Yosef, Hashem was with Yosef. It doesn't matter what stage, what level of social status he found himself at the time. Whether he was Vayihi Ishmatzliach, whether he was successful and on top of the world, or whether he was in the Egyptian house in which he found himself. Says the B'dasakein in source number one, quoted here in the Mayana Shal Torah. Yeshnam anashim she'enam yechom l'avod as Hashem Yisbarach. There are some that cannot serve Hashem, ela kishahim aniyim ve'evyonim. Only when they are aniyim and evyonim, when they feel the need. When we feel the need, it's not easy to turn to Hashem. We feel we're lacking something. Ve'ilu mishahim mis'ashrim miyad shochachim heim. But right when we have everything, then what do I need HaKadosh Baruch Hu for? Everything is <coughs> what I've accomplished. Everything is what I've done. Vayishma yishur and vayivat. So on the one hand, there are some that serve Hashem when they're in a state of lacking and find it difficult when they have everything. Me'idach, on the other hand, Yeshem Anashem, sometimes we have people, or even us, You know, when everything's going well, then I could feel good and recognize and thank Hashem for everything. But when I'm missing something, I'm angry. When I'm missing something, I'm upset. So the Torah is Merames, and Torah tells us, that by Hashem is Yosef, Hashem was with Yosef, and Yosef was with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Both Ishmatzliach, when he was on top, when everything was going well, when he had Ashiras with an ayin and with an aleph, and also Vahiba Beis Adon of Hamitzvi, when he was lowly, when he was just in the household of Potiphar, the lowly worker, who Ahmad Bishnei Nisyonos, and he was able to withstand both Nisyonos, the Nisyonos of uh, Oni and the Nisyonos of Osher, which each have their own challenges, but either way we have to recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu in both situations. Okay, a lot of special ideas tonight. Every idea is special, but uh, let's get into some of the ones we have for tonight. We start off with a Ramban, but first let's go back to the Pasuk. Beginning of the Parsha, we have the story of Yosef and the Ksonis Pasim. We have one of the most, if not the most uh, exciting Vayeshev, Mikes, Vayigash. These are uh, heart-stopping and uh, you know uh, cliffhangers. These parshas just uh, just don't stop. So Yosef is uh, tells over the dreams to his brothers. His brothers get upset at him, as we know. And what happens? The brothers are jealous. The brothers are jealous, and Yaakov keeps quiet. Yaakov keeps it to himself. What happens? So Sheni. The brothers go shepherding, shepherding the sheep, uh, the sheep of their fathers in Shechem. Shechem, as we know, as Rashi quotes, Muchan Lepuranus, where we know what happened. Yosef was sold in Shechem. The Malchus of Malchus based David was split in Shechem. Vayoma Yisrael el Yosef. Yisrael Yaakov says to Yosef. We've noted in the past the duality when he's called Yisrael, when he's called Yaakov. So here. He's called Yisrael, as if there's a divine hand here. Here he's not acting as an individual Yaakov. He's acting as a pawn, as a tool in the hand of history. Your brothers are shepherding in Shechem. Go, go see how they're doing. And he says, okay, 
I'm there. I'm going. Go see how they're doing. Bring me back news of how your brothers are doing in Shechem. Okay, he comes to Shechem. Next pasuk. Ish. A man finds him, or he finds a man. Ish. He. Who's the he? Unclear. Who's the wanderer in the field? Pasha's, let's say, Yosef. He finds a man, or the man is wandering, or Yosef is wandering. Or maybe it's meant to be both. And it's purposely ambiguous. And the ish, the mysterious ish, asks Yosef, no, can I help you? I'm looking for my brothers. Where are they? A third time. The man says, They have traveled. They were here. I heard them. They're going heading to Dosan. Who was this man that has three times in the Torah? Ish, ha-ish, ha-ish. Who is this Ish? So Rashi tells us, it's Malach Gavriel. It's so, not an ish, right? It's a ish in, in uh, just clothing. Ze Gavriel, Shene'emar, Vaha'ish Gavriel, as the Pazak says in Sefer Daniel. But it says the word ish three times. Says the Ramban. A Ramban, a take-home Ramban for life. Says the Ramban. A small comment. Yosef is wandering. Yosef doesn't know where to go. He goes and tries to find them where his father sent. And asked the Ramban, why do we have to know all the details? Just say Yosef went and he found his brothers. He found his brothers in, in Shechem. Or he didn't find his brothers. We have to know that he couldn't find his brothers and he asked the man and then he asked the man again. The man told him, the Ya'arich HaKasuv Bazeh. The Torah goes through extreme details in this story. Lahagit to teach us. Ki sibos rabos ba'u'elav shahayaroi lachzarlo. There were many good reasons that he could have just turned around and gone back. I have no idea where they are. I'm going back. He knew what they felt about him. There could have been many reasons. He was lost. I have no idea where I am. And yet, my father asked me to do this. I'm continuing. And also to teach us. And these are the four words that are picked up upon. Five words. By the later Achronim. Ki emes sheker. What does that mean? Sometimes destiny and history is out of our control. Of course, we each have free choice. We have Bechir Chavshis. But sometimes we're part of the larger hand of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, drawing the strokes of history through us. Hagzeira Emes, the decree of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, he made a decree, Yosef, you're going to Mitzrayim behind the scenes. Yosef, this is going to be the start of the fulfillment of the Brisbane Abbasarim. And no matter what Yosef would have done in this situation, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Yad would have gotten him down to Mitzrayim. If he would have turned around, then maybe the Yishmaelim would have caught him on the way back. HaGzeira Emes, Vahacharitzus, any type of Hishtablus, to try to get out of what our destiny is. And most of the time... It's out of our control. It's not that we we know about this. We don't know what's our destiny. We don't know what the destiny of Am Yisrael is. But we, for our hashkafa, for our emuna, we know there's a lot out of our control, but we know there's a controller. And we know that there's somebody pulling the strings. Hashem sent him a tour guide without his knowing to send him to find the brothers. Amor Derech. 
Says the Rabbani, you don't have to actually say they were angels. They were angels from God. They were shlichim of Hashem to get Yosef down to Mitzrayim. And the way that it was going to be fulfilled, at least in this way, was for him to be sold by the brothers. Shalom al-chinam hayakala sipur hazeh. Lahodienu ki Hashem itakum. Kodesh Baruch Hu has a plan. There's no getting out of it. As the saying goes, you know, man does whatever he wants and God laughs. Kodesh Baruch Hu has a plan and it doesn't matter what Yosef had done at that point. It was Bechir Chavshis. But ultimately, what Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted to happen will happen. And we find this many times, both in Tanakh and in Gemara. Twice in Tanakh, the Birchas Peret, the stipler writes in Parsha Shmos, right, we know, what does it say in Shmos? Paro was very nervous. All of a sudden, he hears from his astrologers, the Jewish Savior has been born. But he's gonna, something's going to happen to him with water. So Paro's like, okay, Xera, all baby boys thrown into the river. All baby boys thrown into the Nile. Source three. His astrologers told him, We see there's going to be something with water. They didn't know about hitting the rock and talking to the rock. They didn't see that that specific. But they see there's something going to happen. Paro was bepachat. Paro was like, oh my goodness, I have to do something to prevent it from occurring. What does he do? He does the exact decree that leads to Moshe's salvation. He thinks, what is he doing? He's decreeing against the Jews. And what is his act, in fact, doing? Creating a mechanism for his own daughter to save the Moshe Yashel Yisrael. So through his own actions, where he thinks he's outsmarting God, he's actually playing into God's hands. He's so nervous about this man that's going to save Am Yisrael. Throw him all in. And even his own. Imagine, he even is degreed against the Egyptian babies. I don't know if there's going to be an Egyptian baby that's going to cause the salvation. And what happened in the end? He grew up under Paro's nose. In the palace. Because of the Xera. Right? To repeat the Ramban's line. Hagzera emes. V'hacharitzos sheker. Any type of hishtablus to try to go against what God, Hashem decrees. Right? This does not mean chas v'shalom. Tefillah. This does not mean. Obviously, when there's a personal, individual Xera. So then obviously tefillah and tshuva and Torah. But we're talking about larger than life elements. Elements that have to do with Jewish history as a whole. That we cannot get out of. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is leading the path from the beginning of history to the end of history to the destiny of Am Yisrael. Parah was trying to change that path and it didn't work. And maybe the most famous example of this is in Megillah's Esther. Right? We know the entire Megillah the more we read in the Megillah, the more we have to look back and say, oh, that's why that happened. And that's why that happened. And every time we get to a parak, we have to go back to Prakim and say, now we understand the significance of Mordechai's act. And now we understand why Paro built the tree, Gavoah Amma, that he thought was going to be for the downfall of the Jews. And it obviously led to just the opposite. V'chein matzino line 12, Bahaman arasha, shekal pu'ulos of sha'asa l'man, chazek ma'amado heima ha'yu ba'okra, all the actions that he did in order to strengthen his own being, his own stature, ha'yu ba'okra v'lapilo, that's exactly what brought him down. That was his downfall. D'laman d'amar memuchan zehaman, and especially, forget just the tree that he built for Mordechai and he himself was hung on it. What about earlier in the Megillah? Who was the one that gave the advice to Achashverosh in the beginning? Get rid of Vashti. And let room, make room for Esther. That was Haman himself. If you say Memuchan was Haman. Hinehu Yaazlit, it doesn't say Haman there. We don't want to have to start banking till the third parak. Hinehu Yaazlit Choses Vashti. 
So he gets rid of Vashti, right? He starts trying to get on Achashverosh's good side, and Dafka. That's what opens the door to allow the Jewish people to allow Am Yisrael to have somebody in the government. So it's exactly what Paro did that brought the salvation. It's exactly what Haman did that brought the salvation. And not only that, as we know on line 22, At the beginning, he comes to tell Achashverosh and Dafka then, the Sefer HaZachronos is being written, and then he's the one that gives the idea. The entire story is all about HaGzeira Emeth. But again, the Gzeira was only Emeth there after we did Shuvah. After we did Shuvah. Like the Bnei Yisachar, we've pointed out in the past, discusses the difference between the dreidel and the grager. The dreidel we hold from below because we started the process. We did shuva. We caused the gzera to change and ultimately that gzera became emes and Haman's charitzos became sheker. Unlike a dreidel, says the Bnei Yisachar, which is held from the top, HaKadosh Baruch Hu was the one that came down. Isarusa de la'ela. He inspired us, and then we were able to get the Malchus back. But it really wasn't such a great Shuva movement. A few individual Jews, Matisio and his family, but that's about it, before the ball started rolling and HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Nisim brought us back. But that's the Ramban on the story of Yosef. Hashem sent Ishim, Hashem sent Ish, 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 to lead Yosef to the destiny of Klal Yisrael. And... As we continue, again, there's uh, the stifler ends even, turning the page in source number four. Haklal, kikol maise enosh v'tachvulosav, lo yo'ilu. This does not mean, chas v'shalom, that we have to give up hope from anything. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a plan that we all have free choice to accomplish amazing things for ourselves. Yet, that's in the larger picture of Jewish history. And we know that Jewish history, no matter how many enemies try to destroy us, Ad Hayom Hazeh, Kaddish Baruch Hu has the plan. It doesn't matter how hard they try and how much they defame us in the public eye, it does, Kaddish Baruch Hu has it all planned out. And that's our Nechama that we could take. There's even two individual stories which bring this out. Right? One of them is a well-known story, the Gemara in Shabbos, Kufi Tesamad Aleph, where the Gemara tells the story of Yosef Mokir Shavi. Yosef, the one who loved Shabbos. The one who honored Shabbos. So we know, Havi Ahavi, Nachri there was a non-Jewish rich man in his neighborhood. Davi Nefishi Nechseituva. He had a lot of, a lot of assets. Amri Kaldai. He went to the fortune tellers. He went to the future readers. And they told him, Kulu Nechsei, Yosef Makar Shavi Achiluhu. You know that Jew down the street that loved Shabbos? All your possessions eventually are going to go to him. He's going to get all of your stuff. He says, you, you, never going to happen. I will make sure that this is never going to happen. Watch this. I'm going to put it all in a safe deposit box and throw away the key. What did he do? He sold all of his possessions. Marganisa. He found, he bought a diamond, a pearl, he put it in his hat, put it in his scarf. We know the story as he's going over the bridge. A wind blows and blows his hat off. Goes into the water and a fish swallows the diamond. That Friday afternoon, the fishermen were out. They get the fish, they, they pick it up. And it's late Friday afternoon and they still have some leftover fish in the marketplace. And no refrigeration in those days. So what are we going to do with the fish? Got to make sure, got to find somebody to sit by this on Friday afternoon. Amri Manzov and Kihashta. Who's going to buy this so late in the day? Manzov and Kihashta. Amri Luhu, they say, no, there's one guy that always buys. Zilu Amtiyuha Lagaba Yosef Mokershavin. Go bring it to Yosef Moker Shabbos. He'll buy it. The Ragil Dezavin. That he always buys. A few nearly they brought it to him. And sure enough, Zavne, he buys it. Kare, he cuts it open. Ashkuch be Marganita. And the pearl is found in the fish. Zavne betlay sir alsa de dinri. 
and it was sold for 13 atticfuls of coins, the daba of gold. Pagabe Ahusaba, an elderly man, found him and says, oh, Shabbos, you, you buy for Shabbos, Shabbos pays you back. So again, this, this man thought he was going to outsmart God. And he played right into God's hands. Thank you for making it easy, putting it all into one nice little diamond, blows off, fish, marketplace, Yosef Moker Shabbos. Right? As the Ramban would say, Hagzeira Emes Vacharitzos Sheker. And one final other story, which is not as famous, but just as telling. And the Gemara even has the line that explains it in a nutshell. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Sukkah Nun Gimel. Ragloi debar inush inun arvin bay. The legs of a person, they are arvin bay. They are his arave. They are his cosigner. They are his security. Laasar de misbe taman, where you are needed, movilin yase, your legs will take you. What does that mean? Says the Gemara. Hani tartikushoi davi kami kami shlomo. There were two people that were, two guards of Shlomo HaMelech that were there. Eli Haraf Achiyah B'nai Shisha. So from the Shlomo HaVeh. They were two scribes. Two workers of Shlomo HaMelech. Yom Echad, one day, Chaz Yilamalach HaMavest Ahavi Ka'atziv. Shlomo HaMelech, you know, he was buddy-buddy with, with Malachim and with every being, right? Shlomo HaMelech was the Chacham Adam. He could communicate with animals. He could communicate with angels. So Shlomo HaMelech, he sees the Malachim Aves and he's not looking too happy today. Usually the Malachim Aves is, is very happy. He's very happy today. Not happy. Amarle Amayatsivis. He says, I don't understand. Why are you so sad? Amarle. To Kabo Minai Harni Tarti Kushoi. To Yasvi Hacha. You see those two guys over there? I was asked to bring them, but, you know, I just can't figure out how to get them. Shlomo's like, those two guys? Masrinu Lissiirami, quickly. Gave these two guys over to the Seirim. Those were the Shadim that Shlomo Melech were friendly with. He said, quickly, take them away. Take them to Luz, in the city where nobody dies. Shadrinu l'mechuza de Luz. He sends them to the city of Luz. Kimatu l'mechuza de Luz. As they are about to get into the city, Shchivu, they both die. That's the story. L'machar, the next day, Chaz Yomalachamav, Estavik HaBadach, Shlomo Melech sees the Malach HaMavet and he's cracking up. Amar Lei Amai Badchas. He says, what's so funny? Amar Lei says the Malach HaMavet to Shlomo. Shlomo, I only had permission to take these two guys when they were right outside the gate of Luz. And I couldn't figure out how to get him there. Thank you very much. You helped me out. Shadrinu, Shlomo HaMelech, and the Ramban later on, Shlomo Melech says, Ragloi debar inushin in Arvin Bey. Laaser de Misbi Tamon Movilin Yosei. We have Bechira Chavshis and we have free choice to do everything, but ultimately there are some things beyond us. And Akharish Baruchu has a divine plan, and that plan is not subject to human intervention to get out of the plan. Only human intervention to help the plan come to fruition. Shlomo and the man that lived with Yosef Moker Shabbos, Haman, Paro, and Yosef Atzadik were all subject to a Kaddish Baruch Hu's great plan of the world. Okay, moving right along. Says the Gemara. Now we get into a couple of Sukkim later. The brothers see him. by And all the brothers say, Oh, look who's coming. It's our dreamer. Hinei balachalamos the dreamer's coming, viata lechu v'nahargehu. Let's kill him. V'nashlichehu b'achad abarot. We'll throw him into one of the pits. V'yamarnu chayaroach alasu. And we'll say that a wild animal ate him up. V'nireh b'ayu chalomosaf. Let's see. Let's see what happens with his dreams. And what happens then, we know the story. Reuven comes in and saves him. I think we mentioned this a number of years ago. It's fascinating that over the next three parshios, there's really only two Shvatim that are talking. Two Shvatim vying for power. Whenever anything happens, we don't hear anything from Zvulun or even from Shimon and Levi. 
There's two Shvatim, Ruvain and Yehuda. Those are the two Shvatim vying for power. Who talks to Yaakov when Yaakov can't decide what they should do? Ruvain and Yehuda. Who mentions, who has options here, suggestions here? Ruvain and Yehuda. That's it. Until ultimately Yehuda's the one at the beginning of Ayigash that becomes the ultimate leader setting the stage for Malchus based David to come from him. However, one explains the Yehuda moment. He was the one that came through in the clutch ultimately. But Ruvain is also, Ruvain saves, Ruvain says, no, let's throw him into a pit. And the Torah is made that Ruvain wanted to get him back. But let's go back to Pasachaf for a moment. What did the brothers originally say? Let's throw him into one of the pits and we'll say, asks the Panim Yafas, asks the author of the Hafwa, the Rebbe of the Chassam Sofer, one of the Rebbe, Rebbe Nassim there was another Rebbe, says the Panim Yafas, source number seven, V'yesh lohavin, ma'hutzrichu lomar chayara achalasu, why would the brothers have had to say this? V'chayu hayu yichol lomar shlorosu v'labalem klal, why couldn't they just kill, what were they originally suggesting? Let's kill him, and we'll see a wild animal ate him. Why couldn't they just kill him? And they come back to Yaakov and say, no, no, no. You see Yosef? No, sorry. Haven't seen him. Didn't see him all day. Doesn't come back, doesn't come back. So he's missing. Why'd they, why'd they have to make up the story about Chayera Chalasu? And right after, they, right after he was sold, they do it. They make up the story. Why didn't they just say he's, he's lost? Why don't they just say, I have no idea? Just say we didn't see him. And also, what about the last phrase? On the surface, Rashi says, Rashi says it's Ruach HaKodesh zapping in here, saying, we'll see what's going to happen to the dreams. You brothers think that you're going to overcome like we just spoke about. No, no, no. We'll see these dreams come true. That's what Rashi says, that Ruach HaKodesh is coming in here. But the simple understanding of the Psukim is that it's the brothers still talking. It's kind of like sarcasm. You know, let's kill him and let's see what happens to his dreams. But maybe there's another understanding of that last phrase. Says the Panim Yafos. Ella, line 5. Says the Panim Yafos, we have to realize, let's get into the brother's head for a moment. They didn't want to just get rid of Yosef. What happens, let's say, if they would have come back and not known what happened? Then Yaakov would always hope beyond hope that at any moment, Yosef would walk in. He would hope that. He loved him. He adored him. He would yearn. And the brother's job, they felt, they said, we have to figure out a way that he stops loving Yosef so much and spend some time on us. And that's why they had to give over the message that he was dead. Not that he's missing. Because that wouldn't have solved their problem. That wouldn't have solved the kinah that they felt. Line 6. Excuse me, but Ruvain's the Bechor. Right? Remember that? Leo, you married our mother first. And that's what the brothers wanted to do. If they wouldn't have said that, Yaakov would not know, but he would know deep down. Right? What does it say? Right? Yaakov, he knew something was going on with those dreams. Those weren't just dreams. And Yosef would not stop loving. Maybe he was captured, maybe he was kidnapped. Hashem Yazor. And the brothers knew that. And therefore, they dafka had to do something and say because they wanted to make sure that Yaakov would stop thinking about those dreams and would say, enough already, he's not here, let's move on from the tragedy. Avalim Yomru, second column, and he'll believe them, then Yaakov will have to accept that the 
The dreams were totally false. They were for naught. And that's the pshat of my Yuchalomosav. Let's see what will be of his of his dreams. So that is all the Panamyafos relating to why they couldn't just say we didn't find him. And what's the pshat of the last phrase, Mayuchalomosav? Number one. Number two, he just adds on then that he heard from one of his uh Adonia Vizkeni, he heard from his father. Another pshat related to Rashi's second pshat. What have we done so far? We've given three pshatim to the last phrase in the Pasik. The pashtas is it's the brothers talking, being sarcastic. Oh yeah, let's see what's going to happen to his dreams if we kill him. The Panim Yafa says, no, it's the brothers talking, but focusing on Yaakov. If we make up this story and say that he's dead, Yaakov will stop thinking that the dreams are going to come true one day. And then the third pshat was the second shot in Rashi, and that is, it was Ruach HaKodesh, Omeris Kane, Mayu Chalomosaf. Says the Panim Yafos, relating to that last shot, maybe now, maybe we can understand why right after this, what does it say? It says, the brothers, every brother, they all say, let's kill him. And the very next passage, Ruvain says, no, 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 let's not. What changed? What changed in Ruvain's was Ruvi not involved in the original? It sounds like Vayomru Ish El Achiv. Is that just two brothers? Ish El Achiv? It sounds like it's all the brothers. And then all of a sudden, Ruvi says, no, I, right, maybe he just realized. He says, right, Rashi says, it's all going to be totally on me. I'm the oldest. But maybe there's another idea based on the last phrase that just occurred. Right, what does Rashi say? It's a, it's a, Ruach HaKodesh Omeris Kein, Mayu Chalamosaf. The story that we've mentioned many times, Tainas Tafchafalaf, Rabbi Yochanan and Ilfa, the story that they were leaving Yeshiva and they each, they were sleeping and they were Malachim talking above them in Shamayim and one Malach says to the other Malach, I don't know why they're leaving, one of these people is going to be the next Rosh Yeshiva. And Rabbi Yochanan wakes up in a sweat and says to Ilfa, did you hear that? And Ilfa's like, I know what you're talking about, I was sleeping. Rabbi Yochanan's like, did you hear just hear that? And he says, no. And Rabbi Yochanan said, if I heard it and nobody else heard it, it must be it's talking about me. And therefore, Rabbi Yochanan went back. Ilfa did not. Rabbi Yochanan became the Rosh Yeshiva Vechulu. Rabbi Yochanan heard it. We've spoken about that story in the past. Says the Panam Yafos, maybe Ruvain heard it. V'nirem mayu chalomosav. Ruach HaKodesh Omeris Maybe Ruvain was tuned in and that's why he changed his mind. Left side now. Line six. Quotes the story. Yeshloma, where it's underlined. Deruvain shama zehabaskol. Behem lo shamu. Lakacham aruvain shmamina shalav lahatzila. Why did I hear that? The basko that says, "Oh, the dreams are going to come true." If I'm the only one that heard it, I better realize maybe it's a message from God for me. And therefore, he tried to save him. A lot happening here in, these, in this Pasuk, according to the Panim Yafos. Okay, now we have something major. Again, a lot of major ideas. A detail. I think we've touched on this in the past, but now let's flesh it out. So the Pasuk says that they picked him up, they threw him in the, they threw him in the pit. What happens then? They sit down to eat. Remember the Rashbam we mentioned a couple of years ago? Amazing Rashbam. The brothers did not actually sell Yosef. Not for now. But Yisuei Nehem Bayiru, they lift up their eyes and they see Archat Yishmaelim Ba'ami Gilad. They see a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilad. Ugmalehem Nosim, their camels were carrying. Nechos Utsri Valot. Haholchim, Lahorid Mitzrayma. What were they carrying? Sweet, delicious smelling aromatic spices. Like if you pass this Yishmaelite caravan, you would go, ah, it would smell so good. And of course, Chazal ask, how many Arab caravans have you seen lately that smells so good? Usually not something that we associate with that type of caravan. Why? So Rashi quotes, covered Yosef at Tzadik. Yosef is going down to Mitzrayim. The least we could do is make it smell good on the way down. That's what Rashi says. The name of Chazal. Right? Quotes the Otsras HaTorah, the Sefer Gedulas Mordechai. Let's think about this for a minute. 
Yosef was just thrown into a pit. According to Chazal, maybe there were snakes and scorpions there. And then he was lifted up from the pit by his brothers or by a nation. And then he went to the Ishmaelim. And then he went to the Midianim. And he's on his way down to Egypt. He thinks he's going to, who knows, maybe, he doesn't even know if his father was in on it. His father who sent him to Shechem in the first place. He feels lowly. He feels depressed. And now what? A little spices is going to make him smell good. Oh, it doesn't smell so badly. What's the purpose? He's down in the dumps. He was kidnapped. You think it made a difference to Yosef how it's what it smelled like? You think he noticed? You think Yosef noticed how it smelled? And number two, Matan and Shol Sadikim. And how does Rashi start off? I didn't even read the Rashi. Why does it tell us this? The reward of Sadikim. Well, this is the reward. The Chidavar Pod Zemodias Chor and Shol Sadikim, this tiny little thing? So says the Gedulas Mordechai, a Yesod Gadol. Give you a Mashal. Mashal Amadavar Dome. Three lines for the bottom. Lecholem Mesukan Shabani Tuach Kasheh. There was somebody, Rahman al-Islam, that was very sick, that had to go through a, a very difficult surgery. And they were under anesthesia, and they were out of it. And the family members are by the bed, and they're hoping, and they're wondering, and they're still heavy breathing. And, and all of a sudden, they see a flicker of the eyes. All of a sudden, the eyes open. All of a sudden, the fingers twitch. All of a sudden, there's a little movement. And the family starts celebrating. And the family starts crying. Enjoy. Why? They're not out of the woods yet. He's still sick. No, but when you see that, that's a simon that the Yeshua has started. That's a simon that, that better days are on the horizon. Yosef Atzadik was in a terrible state right now, turning the page. He wasn't saved, but you know what? He saw the eyes open a little bit. He sees Hashkachas Hashem in the spices. And that gives him the strength and the optimism to be able to continue. And says the Gdulas Mordechai, throughout every tzara, that Rahman al so many, so many of Am Yisrael go through. The tzara is tremendous. The tzara is tragic. But most of the time, there's something. There's something, like in the Tochacha, there's sprinkled brachos, hidden brachos in the middle of the Tochacha. Most of the time, and a lot of the times, it's only the people in the tzara who are able to see it as a bracha. You know what? Find the spices. Find the eyes opening. That's the message of the spices. In every tzara, Hashem threads in a glimmer of hope. And that's the message of the spices. And yes, Yosef would have noticed it. A related but somewhat different point is in the formulation of Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, who's also quoted here in the Yosra Satorah, in the middle. Rav Chaim Shmulevitz learned out, it's really a separate point, even though it's connected. If we think about how medaktik Hashem's judgment is, that's also a message we can learn about this. There was Xera in Shamayim, as we said earlier, that Yosef had to go down to Mitzrayim to start the process. He was going to be there for 22 years by himself without any family members, not knowing what's going on with his family, being alone in Egypt, being subject to temptations that nobody should ever have to be in. Xera was made in Shamayim. And he had met Xera that he was going to be thrown into the pit, by sold by his brothers. That was Xera. Yosef as an object had no control over that. But you know what? There was no Xera that it was supposed to smell bad on the way down to Mitzrayim. There was no such Xera like that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Mishpat is so medactic, 
is so clean and crisp and sharp. It's not like throwing it in. Oh, Yosef is supposed to have a terrible day. So everything. It's like when we say sometimes we're like, you know, one day when something goes wrong, everything goes wrong. Right? This and that and that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's din doesn't work that way. It is exact. You're supposed to have nine, 42% Sarah today? That's it. That's exact. That's no more. Yosef, there was, there was no Xerah for him to have a bad smelling caravan. So he didn't have a bad smelling caravan. That was in Xerah. But that doesn't negate. There's no bitl barov when it comes to the Mishpat of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. There's no bitl. We have to exactly focus on what exactly is happening and the Kaddish Baruch Hu is very medactic in everything, obviously, that he does. It's one of the Animamans. One of the animamids is Tzchar Onesh, right? One of the, what we say every day in Parshas V'hayim Shamoa, Im Shamo and if not, V'charaf Hashem, in a, in a, in a level of diktuk that we cannot even, we cannot even fathom. So two messages we've learned from the spices. Number one, the spices, it was like the chola opening up his eyes. There is a Yeshua, there is hope. And number two, there was no such gzera. And the, and the diktuk, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is something that is is beyond even our our comprehension. Okay. Moving right along. Says the Gemara, let's focus on a Chazal also that we're familiar with. So we continue the story. Reuven comes back to the pit and Yosef's not there. It's clear that Reuven did not know you know, what happened to Yosef. Reuven was not there. So Chazal tell us it was Reuven's turn to, to help uh, Yaakov. So he had gone back to Yaakov Avinu to take care of him and he wasn't there. According to that Rashbam that we alluded to before, all the brothers were sitting having lunch away from the pit. Why would they want to eat when they hear their brothers screaming in the pit? So they were far away. So nobody knew. But Reuven went to check on him. In any case, Reuven comes back, rips his clothing, doesn't know where his brother is. And what do they do? They take the Ketonis Pasim and they dip it in blood and they go back to their father and they show it to Yaakov. Yaakov rips his own clothing. Interesting, if you think about it, trivia question, who rips their clothing in this week's Parsha? Not just Yaakov when he finds out. Right? Ruvain is the first one. Kriyas Begadav, again, he felt the responsibility he felt the Bechar. So Yaakov builds his clothing. He puts sack. He puts sackcloth on. And he mourns for his son. Yamim Rabim. They all try to comfort him, Yaakov. Let's move on. Yaakov, let's try to get past this. He refuses. Does not accept any Nechama. He says, and he didn't accept Nechama, and he cried, and he cried, and he cried. Why didn't he accept Nechama? Everybody, everybody in life, Rahman al-Islan, when there's a, a tragedy, the, the, the pain becomes a little bit less as time goes on. And people are able to, to continue their life for the most part. So what about what happened here? Why didn't he accept Tanchuman? So Rashi quotes... Rashi quotes the Gemara, Ein Adam Tanchumen A person only accepts Tanchumen, comfort for somebody who has passed on, and therefore you could, you could move on. But Yosef wasn't dead. So Chazal tell us, because he wasn't really dead, that's why he didn't accept Tanchumen. The obvious question that we all ask on Rashi is, but he thought he was dead. But he thought he was dead. So how does the question still still comes back? He thought he was dead. So that's the Yam Simcha's question, among others. He quotes the Chazal that Rashi quotes, and then on line ten, Avaladayin Kasha, the Yaakov Mimenu. We learn it from Yaakov, but how did Yaakov know? Why didn't he accept it? So he says it's based on a Chasam Sofer. If we did a hafla before upon him yafos, now we get into the chasam sofer. Says the chasam sofer, a thought that we've mentioned in the three weeks in past years. 
Zanzover points out that the Gemara at the end of Tainus tells us that we have to take part in the morning on Yerushalayim. But what's the language of the Gemara? Kol HaMisabel, line 16, Kol HaMisabel al Yerushalayim, Zoche Veroe Benachamasa. Whoever mourns on Yerushalayim merits and sees its rebuilding. That's the Gemara. Right, beautiful Gemara. The more you mourn, the more you're going to feel. The problem, points out Aksam Sofer, is that this Gemara is in present tense. It should be in future tense. Kol HaMisabel Yerushalayim, Yizkeviyireh why does it say Zochevaroe? Why does it say merit and see? I don't see it now. This past Tishabov, we all thought about Yerushalayim. We didn't see any rebuilding. What kind of Nechama did we see? What do you mean Zochevaroe, present tense? It should be Yizkevihireh. Shehikshalam Allah Amrubalashin Asid explains the Chazam Sofer in one of his Roshes. Abel Ha'inyan Hu. Tine Chazal Amru Shetishabav Nikra Moed Ve'en Omer Bo Tachnun. We know Tishabav is called a Moed. We don't say Tachnun. You would think the the biggest day to say Tachnun is Tishabav. No, we don't say Tachnun on Tishabav because it's called a Moed. Valo Yipala. How is it a Moed? Ech Yikra Ze Moed. Vabayis Chara. V'Karban Hashem Lo Ekriva B'Moados. How is it a Moed? Says the Chasam Sofer. Kines Bone. Let's think about this for a minute. And there's a story about Napoleon relating to this Chassam Sofer. How is it possible? Is there any other religion in history that still mourns over something that took place 2,000 years ago? There are so many major populations that no longer exist. Who's thinking about something that happened five years ago, let alone a hundred, a thousand, two thousand years ago? What are we mourning? And we not only like think about it, but we act it out. And we sit on the floor and we don't eat meat and drink wine for a week, uh, for nine days. And, and it's so much and we f- talk about it the whole day. There's nothing like this in the entire world except Am Yisrael. We relive. We reconnect. You know what that proves, says the Chassam Sofer? The fact that we are mourning, that's the biggest raya, that it's not dead. That the big, that's the biggest raya, that it's alive in Shamayim, and it's going to come down when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says it's time. That's the biggest raya. It's my... It's, you could quote the Chatham Sofer, you could quote Napoleon. He's in Napoleon on one of his trips was going through Yerushalayim on Tisham of Night and he goes and he sees on one of the shoals, he knocks on one of the doors. He sees her sitting on the floor. He said, what are you sitting on the floor for? They said, oh, our temple was destroyed. He's like, really? I'm so sorry to hear that. I didn't, I didn't read about it in the newspaper today. They're like, no, no, no. It was a couple hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. He's like, so why are you crying now? So he says, because we're crying. Napoleon says, These types, this type of people, says they're going to get it back. That's exactly what the Chassam Sofer says. That's why it's present tense. Kola misabil al Yerushalayim zochevaroed. The fact that you, we, mourn is the biggest raya that is going to happen. And that itself gives us nechama. So using this Chassam Sofer says, and that's what he says on the top left of the column, and he's going to bring it down for us, that is our greatest nechama. That's why it's present tense, says the Yam Simcha, maybe that's now getting back to Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov tried to be comforted. He wanted to be comforted. But it wasn't working. He just kept crying. And he just kept mourning. To call their Geshem Shal Yaakov Inu Hayop Yatorah. Yaakov, he was the ultimate halachic man. And if the Torah says that the halacha is that you don't accept Tanchumin on a chai, and Yaakov acted so, that's what he, it wasn't, he couldn't get Nechama. Avol Hirgish, it's Sarah Yosef, Amish Takhichmi Libo. And that's why maybe, maybe, maybe he never lost hope. Deep down, he did lose hope. But he w- if he would have lost hope, he would have stopped crying. But he didn't stop crying. Because he was crying for the future. And that's why Loki Beltan Chumin. Okay.
Moving right along. Lamed Zion. Let's go back now to an earlier Pasuk. A Rashi that maybe we've read before, all the way at the beginning of the Parsha, but haven't always focused on it. Rashi tells us at the beginning of the Parsha that Yosef Atzadik, when he was younger, was somewhat immature. And he said Lashon Hara about his brothers. Was it Lashem Shemayim? Not Lashem Shemayim. Not getting into it now. But Rashi quotes that he told Lashon Hara about his brothers. What did he say? Pasik Beis, all the way back at the beginning of the Parsha. He brought the Dibasam Ra'el Avihem. What was the Dibasam Ra'a? So he said, Aver Menachai. They eat Aver Menachai, he said. And number two, he says, he made fun of the Avadim, or he, I'm sorry, not he, the bro, some of the brothers might have made fun of the sons of the Shvachos. And he told that to Yaakov, number two. And Arayos, Chashudim al Arayos. Those three, Rashi quotes, and Yosef was punished, Mida Kenegin Mida. How so? Let's read the Rashi. Ubishlash Tanlaka. Al Aver Minachai. Why was he punished for Aver Minachai? Where do you see it was Mida Kenegin Mida? Vayishchatu Seir Izim B'Mechiraso. When he was sold, it says they shechted a goat and they ate it. V'loach Luchai. They didn't eat it raw. The brothers didn't violate Aver Minachai. Number two, he spoke Lashon Hara about them that that they said they made fun of the children of the Avadim. He was sold as an Eved. He was Choshi Deman Arayus. Asia's Potiphar. That's the Rashi. Asks, now we get to the actual Reb Chaim Shulevitz and the Sichos Musr. Two out of three are pretty straightforward. What does Rashi say? This is Mida Kenegad Mida. Yosef was punished based on what he did. He called them. He said they would make it fun of Avadim. So he became an Eved. They say, he was said they were Chashun on Arayos. So Asia's Potiphar gives him problems. He says they were Chashun Eber Benachai. And therefore what? Therefore, what happened to Yosef? He was sold while the brothers didn't eat Abraham and Achai. How exactly is that one, Mida, Kenegh, and Mida? What, what's he punished with? They sold him. What's the first one? He says, oh, the brothers shechted the animal, didn't eat Abraham and Achai. What does that mean? Says of Chayesh Shmulevitz, another major Yisod. He says, we find a few times, including in this week's Parsha, Including this week's parsha, this is why we're doing this here. Usually we go in order, but if you look later on, Perak Lamed Ches, another major story in the parsha. Perak Lamed Ches. What do we have when Tamar sends the materials back to Yehuda and says, "The person who owns these made me pregnant." What is her? What are her words? What does she say? Her lashon is. Recognize these. Whoever recognizes these, they're the ones who I'm pregnant to. Rashi quotes, Hakerna. Why that Lashen? Because Yehuda himself used that Lashen a couple of sukkim earlier. When he comes back to Yaakov and says to Yaakov, we found this coat. Hakerna, Haksonis bincha hiimlo. Mida kenegen mida. Yos Yehuda says Hakerna to Yaakov. Tamar says Hakerna to Yehuda. What's a play on words? What's the message? Play on what's what's Hakerna Hakerna? What is the connection between the two? Or another one. He quotes. There are other examples of this. He quotes. In line 12, line 13, Vayomer Hashem Elai Ravlach. Ravlachem, Ravlach, Barav, Biser, Esbnemach, Lakuso, Ravlachem, Bnei Levi. Other times, the same word is used when somebody sins and when somebody is punished. So it's a play on words. What's the message? Explains Rav Chaim Shulevitz. What does the concept of Mida Kenegad Mida mean? What does that mean? Hashem punishes Mida Kenegad Mida. What's the message for us? Says Rav Chaim Shmulevitz. You know what Mida means? The ultimate purpose of an Onesh is for us to learn something. Not for us to be punished per se. Hashem would rather not punish. 
Just like a parent. A parent, ultimately, we like to say this to our children, it's a consequence, it's not a punishment. Because punishment sounds like, oh, it's an akama. A consequence means this is from a result of your actions, not me. And we hope that the consequence will teach the child the next time. Because a parent doesn't want to punish a child. The parent just wants the child to learn something. Says Rav Chayesh Bolevitz, that's what the law, hakerna, hakerna. It's not a play on words. But the purpose of this whole event was to have Yehuda stop... What, Hakerna? Oh, I just said that. Oh, my God. It's for him to realize it. A few times we have it by Moshe, we have it by Yehuda. The Lushen is used because the ultimate purpose of Midah Kenegad Midah is to teach the person that they were wrong. And the best way to teach them that they were wrong is to have a punishment, in quotes, commensurate exactly with the act. That's Mida Kinegan Mida. And that's the law shown. So says Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, getting back to Yosef, what do we ask? Two out of three work, two out of three were punishments. He said they spoke about Avadim, so he became an Evid. He said Arias, they became Arias. What was the third problem? He said they ate Aver Menachai. And therefore, what's his punishment? It doesn't say what's his punishment. It says what's his Mida Kinegan Mida? That he sees the brothers shecht meat and eat it. Meaning, even at the moment of their cruelty, even at the moment that they sold Yosef, they don't eat Aver Minachai. They shecht their meat. Come on, Yosef. You know better. It's not about punishing. Yosef became an Eved so he could think about the Lashon Hara that he spoke. Asia's Potiphar, he says, oh, and I said, they were chashed on Arias. What's going to happen to me? This is what the message is by all of these cases. Hishlach Nubabor, and he goes through the whole, the whole message here. That's Hakerna, Hakerna, that's the whole concept of Mida Kenegan Mida. An important message. Let's just read two lines of his. Line 24. He should, the word should sink in. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he hears Ravlach, he should think of Ravlachem. The word should sink in. That's what it's all about. That's the message of Mida Kenegan Mida. Okay. So let's move on to the last thought related to the Parsha, which is also related to Hanukkah. Again, tonight we've had many Yisodos, if we think back. We have the Ramban, Hagazera Emes Vacharitzus Sheker. Ultimately, Jewish history is going to march to its destiny, no matter what a person does, and most of the time we're going to fall into the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We learned that through every tzara, through every tzara, there's always a little bit of, of opening the eyes of a cholam, and now we just learned about Mita Kenegad Mita. Says the Pasuk in Perak Mem, now all the way back towards the end, Yosef and Tamar, Yosef in the house of Potiphar, the story, the Nisayon, the conquering, and finally, the last story in the Parsha, and that is the Sar HaMashkim, the Sar HaOfim, and they end up in jail. Yosef ends this Parsha in jail, but, Perak Mem, Pasuk Tezvav, when Yosef identifies himself in jail, he says, I have not forgotten who I am. Ki gunov gunavti mi ha-ivrim. I have been stolen from the land of the Ivrim. Yosef says, I've been here for 13 years. He was sold at 17. He's going to stand in front of Paro. Actually, no. He's younger because it's by imikation of Saim Yamim in jail. So he just got to jail, so he's been for 11 years. Right? So he's 28 years old. And he says, it's been 11 years, I've, I haven't forgotten who I am. I haven't done anything. Says Rev Salvechik, in Days of Deliverance, talks about here, Yosef's and Yaakov's Role in Jewish history. Chazal already parallel. Very similar lives. Yaakov and Yosef. Both have to run away. Both rejected. Both have to be strong Jews 
in a gullus that is not so amenable, amicable, let's say, to Judaism. Yaakov in Lavan's house and Yosef in Mitzrayim. Both of them. Look on the bottom left. Joseph was a tar- tragic figure in many respects. He was the target of passionate hate, envy, and ridicule. He was persecuted, sold into slavery, and for a period of 13 years served many masters, exposed to the whims and volatile moods. Yet he maintained his attachment to his family, to the clan. Someone else would have forgotten his family completely. He would have tried simply to erase any trace that Jacob and his brothers left on his memory, to completely forget his family. But Yosef didn't. This is one of the most beautiful characteristics of Yosef. He was devoted to his father and to his brothers in spite of the fact that they sold him into slavery and conspired to slay him. Gunov gunavti mi'eretz ha'ivrim. He never forgot that. And maybe, the Medrash even contrasts this to Moshe Rabbeinu. When the, when the daughters of Yisro tell Yisro in front of Moshe, in Ish Mitzri saved us. Moshe doesn't say, well, I'm not a Mitzri, even though I happen to be from Mitzrayim. And the Medrash forcefully says, you do not say you're an Ivri, you will not be Zoha to be buried in Eretz HaIvrim. Yosef, he said, I'm an Ivri, he was Zoha to be buried. Even after rising to power, the next paragraph says, Yosef felt lonely. He could never integrate himself into Egyptian society. Remember the Pazak says, he always ate lunch by himself. He never could eat with them. But Am Yisrael needed Yosef where he was. And turning the page for a minute, Yaakov also had a role. Yaakov also had to go to Padan Aram and to build the Shifteka and to find the Imahos. Both Yaakov and Yosef had similar tasks. There were differences, as Rav Salvechik mentions to them. On the right side, the difference between Yaakov and Yosef's assignment is a dual one. Yaakov had to prove that Torah is realizable in poverty and oppression. That the immigrant, no matter how hard he has to work for a livelihood, no matter how poor and how oppressed he is, he is, is capable to give devotion and loyalty to his ancestral tradition. Yaakov was a pauper. Yaakov, in the area, the land of Lavan, he was, a, he was a worker. He worked with the sheep. He was low class. A Jew could be a Jew in low class. And Yosef was just the opposite. He had to prove that a Jew could be a Jew in the high class, in the upper class, being the viceroy in the government. So the, like the first part we said tonight, to be a Jew... Right, by Ishmat Sliach and also Beis Adonov. That was Yaakov and Yosef. Maisa Avo Simulabanim. That was Yaakov and that was Yosef. Right, the only one, the only one of the Shvatim that make it into the Ushpizin. Right, Yosef was unique. Right, Yaakov and Yosef. Yosef was a model for us. Like Yaakov was a model for us. Says Rev Salvechik. Next page. Historically, the Jew has proven his ability to remain loyal and devoted to his tradition in poverty and repression and distress. Said the Rav, you know, a lot of times it's been easier for us to be Yaakov's than to be Yosef's. When we've been in Yaakov positions, oppressed, downtrodden, then it's easy to, uh, to realize that we're Jewish. When we have everything, when we have success and glorious achievements, it's a little more difficult. But that's what we have to do. We have to be like Yaakov, we have to be like Yosef. We have to be a Jew everywhere. Then he continues. We're not going to read it because I just want to finish off with one more thought. He connects this to Hanukkah as well. But just like one more point. We'll end off with a Rav Zevin. Again, next week also we'll talk about Hanukkah because next week, again, this year will hopefully be Monday night because it gets busy later in the week with Hanukkah. So Monday night, Bezashem, next week. Says Rav Zevin, source 15. There are a lot of dreams in Sefer Bracious. We've already spoken about dreams. Parshas Vayetze, Yaakov has his dream. And this week, Yaakov has his two, Yosef has his two dreams. Next week, Paro has his two dreams. Yosef dreams of bundles. And Yosef dreams of stars. Two different types of dreams. One having to do with the heavens. And one having to do with the earth. 
two very different symbolic natures of the dreams. Says Rav Zevin, they're mashlim each other. They're twins. The dreams need to be together. It's impossible to gather your bundles if you're not looking up at the stars. And it's impossible to be in the stars if we don't have our feet planted firmly amongst our bundles. We need both areas of leadership whether it is Ruchani, whether it is Gashmi. And here, Rav Zevin gets into his classic Drush nature. We know there's a Machlokes in Meseches Shabbos, whether Hadlaka Osa Mitzvah or Hanacha Osa Mitzvah, which halachically means Hadlaka Osa Mitzvah, the conditions for the mitzvah must be in place when I light the menorah. I can't light the menorah with five minutes of oil in there and then add on more oil after I light Hadlaka osa mitzvah. Or do I say no? Hanacha osa mitzvah. All the conditions have to be there when I place the menorah. Meaning, I can light the menorah above 20 amos and then put it down under 20 amos. That's fine. Hadlaka or hanacha. So we paskin hadlaka. Fine. But says Rav Zevin, the message of both applies in Hanukkah. Hadlaka osa mitzvah. One element we celebrate on Hanukkah is the hadlaka, is the lighting up of the souls that took place in the time of Hanukkah. The Torah, the Beis HaMikdash. We conquered the Yevonim and the Misyavnim. They make Zeros on Mila, Shabbos, Kashras, Rosh Chodesh. And we got these mitzvahs back. And we were able to be madlik, madlik ourselves. But also, Hanacha Usa Mitzvah. There was a Hanacha. We were able to become strong and set up another Jewish government for the next couple hundred years. Manichem Davramashu Basisi. It has to be firmly. Kiba Sha'aret. There was a physical war and a physical Nitzachon, as is described in Al Hanisim. And that's symbolized by Hanacha, by firmly planted. On the earth. Hadlaka, the spiritual elements. One could say it's the oil, the Tunisim, the oil and the military victory. The Tunisim we celebrate. Hadlaka symbolizing one. Hanacha, physical, symbolizing the other. Those are the two dreams. Yosef symbolizes all of Am Yisrael. We have to make sure that we are perfected both in our areas of Hadlaka and in our areas of Hanacha. That we raise up our Gashmi. To be connected to our Ruchani, our bundles, our sheaths have to have an eye towards the stars. And we have to make sure, Hadlaka, Hanacha, and we try to fulfill the mitzvahs as best as we can. Okay, we'll stop here.